I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. And welcome back, everybody, for, what, second, third pod of the offseason? We are back, the 5.5 podcast. Uh, we are alive, and we are doing an episode after a lot of demand, bitching, whining, and complaining. So you finally get what you want, and uh, we're here. So, uh, not a lot to go off of, but a lot to go off of. Eric, we're going to touch on all the uh, offseason moves and non-moves uh, that have happened since we last spoke, talk about some expectations, and... Uh, just get back into the rhythm of things. So, uh, we are going to spring training here in a couple of weeks. I believe we are departing the 19th, right? Yep. Yep. So we'll be out there from the 19th, I believe, through the 21st or 22nd. So you guys can catch us out there or just avoid us altogether. That works too. Um, but That's uh, probably preferred if yeah. we're being honest. <laughs> I put on a lot of weight since the last time I was spotted in spring training. Yeah, so, same. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, so just uh, trying to get back into the swing of thing, Eric. It's spring training for the 5.5 podcast, so um, let's talk about the you know off-season additions. Dude, the off-season has been lit. <laughs> so lit. Think of everything that's happened even since the last time we talked. Even here. the non-stuff that's happened. There's a lot, yeah. lot, lot's gone on so since, I'm, I'm thinking about since the last time we talked. I acquired a shitting and crying machine. <laughs> uh, the Basically a mini U. Yeah, the U.S. acquired the coronavirus. <laughs> Padre, Padres Twitter, we traded uh, David Marver to fatherhood <laughs> for a uh, player to be named later. I believe we also once again designated uh, Davey for assignment once more. Yeah, and the Padres got uh, jerks and Profar. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's looking up, man. You know, they say, uh, what do they say about spring and the uh, the groundhog and shit if he uh, sees his shadow? Spring blah, eternal, blah, blah. Something, something. The thing that signals the start of spring to me is when the Padres extend an invite to an over the hill, <laughs> pass his prime. Maybe he has something left in the tank. Former All-Star, and they did that the, with Brian Dozier. The, so if he bounces back, he's a three-win player. <laughs> yes. And when that happened, the spring is here, and we are ready to go. It's just like, where are they going to stand? Like, There's so many question marks, and there's pluses, and there's minuses to the team. And it's like, are we going to win the Cactus League? Are we going to win 80 games? Are we going to win the Wild Card? Are we going to win the World Series? Probably not. Or are we going to win 69 games? Like, any of those things can happen. Yes, all that's very realistic. that's what makes realistic. it exciting. Yeah, all very realistic. I will say... Um, there's been a lot of prospect releases as of late. Uh, Keith Law now with the Athletic releases prospect list. Fangraphs released their top 100. So a lot of the prospect stuff's coming out. Mad Friars. Mad Friars as well. Yep. Um, but I have noticed, Eric, and I wanted to bring this up as soon as we got a chance to record, I have noticed not as much hype this year, I feel like, on Padres Twitter about the prospects as there have been in years past. Is that just me? Or are you noticing the same thing, the, the hype around, like, prospect released or prospect list being released uh not as much uh, of a talking point on Padres Twitter as it used to be well me being a staunch defender of Mad Friars I'm gonna say there's a lot of hype around these prospects and there's a lot of hype around these lists you think people aren't waiting on the edge of their seats for Kevin Charity's top 20 <laughs> top 30 come on get the fuck out of here I want Kevin Charity's top 50 or bust <laughs> no but I know what you're saying yeah you know I kind of I was thinking the same thing it's like we're getting to the point now where yeah prospects are great and there's always going to be a need for them either now or in the future but 
where we're at now, it's time to focus on these guys who we were hyped about. They're finally here. Most so I feel like that's where few. all of our attention is going to be heading. And and that's that's fine with me. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. If I look at – if you ask me to name, like, even, like, four or five players that I thought were going to open up at, like, Fort Wayne or, or – um, Oh, I'd be I stumped. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do it at all. I'd and, be And that's stumped. a good thing. Yeah. And that's a good thing because the Padres still have consensus, one of the top three pro, uh, farm systems in the game. So, for us to be that stacked and for it to be in the higher levels now, we're getting there, man. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah, still a deep farm system. But I, I agree with you. I think it's good – and it shows the direction the ball club may be moving in in that we're not as hung up on the prospects, and now we're focusing on uh, the Major League Club. Let's talk about the additions. We'll get to, uh, we're going to get to Mookie Betts, guys. We're going <laughs> to get to that. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the additions we actually have, um, specifically the bullpen. Uh, the Padres look to be doing what Kevin Towers was really fucking good at, and that's just saying, hey, maybe we can't score, but we're going to have good starting pitching, five and dive, and then just <laughs> – Kill everybody with bullpen arms. So here's the bullpen edition so far. Uh, Drew Pomerantz, which drew a lot of uh, question marks about a long-term deal, but apparently that was market value, what he was getting offered. Yeah. And so the Padres had to had to up it to get him on the team. But Pomerantz brought in. Pierce Johnson brought in. Uh, probably my second favorite trade of the offseason. Uh, Emilio Pagan brought in. That was huge. Huge for completely, Manny Margot. Yeah, out of unexpected. nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. So... Um, you have those three guys to now add in the bullpen, and we were talking about this uh, the other day about they can only have 13 pitchers on the roster, I believe is the is the rule, right? So we already know the starters, give or take. So there's three relievers, all right there, and Pagan is pretty much guaranteed. So there's three relievers you know are going to be in. Yeah. Then you have Strom, he's going to be on the roster. Then you have Yates and Munoz and Castillo. So those guys are on the roster, and I feel like I, oh, and Stanton, yeah. who just also got a guaranteed contract to be brought back, which. Given how much depth they have, I'm actually okay with Stamman coming back because maybe the years are a little long, but it's not a bad move when he's going to be like your fourth or fifth best arm. So I have these eight arms, and I feel like we might be able to bullpen our way into a, into a contender, maybe more than 82 wins. Um, it feels like Preller's just saying, you know, the, the offensive pieces I wanted other than Fam aren't really out there, so let me... Let me go left when everybody's going right. Everybody wants to stack up on starting pitching and multiple inning guys. I'm just going to grab a bunch of guys who throw you know, low to mid-90s and strike guys out four innings a night. So what you're saying is that Preller is zigging when everyone else is zagging? Sure. I've, I've heard that somewhere before. Sounds familiar. <laughs> As I speculated. I was waiting for it. I've always As I've speculated. I've always been more of a Pepsi guy myself. Yes. But yeah, with the additions to the bullpen, dude, like... I was sitting there when we did our last podcast. I'm like, Fam is great. But when the hell was the last? Was it December, December, right? Yeah, yeah, the beginning of December. I was like, hey, you know, Fam is great. <laughs> I feel like the offense has improved. Everything's looking good. But their rotation, I'm not sure about their rotation. But then the more, you know, the further along we get, the closer and more into spring training we get, it's like, well, the rotation might not be that bad. We're, we are counting on the, the Tommy John trio, yes. as Kevin <laughs> AC called him. We're counting on those guys. But you look at Lamette, dude, and he looks like he could be a real stud. Like, he, uh, he's he a, looks well, a he's little thicker. But he yeah. looks like he could be a top-of-the-rotation horse. Yeah, he, you know what I mean? And you have uh, you have Chris Paddock. You know, who knows what we're going to get at Garrett Richards. I think it's kind of dumb if you expect much of anything out of him. If, you're, if you anything get 100 you get innings him out of him. Is a bonus. It's and, a bonus. Yeah, 100 innings out of him, and if he's league average – 
that's a bonus. But I agree with you. If you if you have an average rotation, which I think we have, you could argue slightly above average, and a lights out bullpen, I think you have something with some reinforcements coming. Absolutely, because, dude. Look at look at who's gonna have to go down to the minors, like yeah. Baez, Morahone, Quantrill. Those guys are probably gonna begin in the minor leagues. Uh, now Castillo is being slow played, so I think he's gonna start in uh, yeah, El Paso. You might be right. But all that's really gonna do is open up a spot for like. I mean, they've. Already, I feel like they've said they're going to stretch Baez out. He's already pretty much going to AAA. There's no question. Yeah. So really, it's more like and I love Quantrill. That I do too. But it's like Quantrill, Perdomo. Like those are the guys yeah. who are like trying to latch onto that that 13th spot as a, a pitcher. Guerra maybe is trying to latch on. But it, it feels like well, they got to do something with Guerra because he's out of options. Yeah. So he has to make. And you I can keep see him them where he's done. Yeah, I, I can see them. Like yeah, well, yeah, we'll 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 take it slow with Castillo. He's he's missed pretty much a year. Yeah, um, and we'll just kind of see what Guerra's got. But it it it's so different than it would be a year ago, where we're basically thinking, hey, Perdomo, you haven't done shit at the major league level. Like yeah, you've got some upside, but we need you. We can't <laughs> afford to send you down to Double A to develop. We need you. Yeah, like a year ago today, Guerra would be would be in the the opening day roster. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's true. No doubt about. It. Whereas now it's like Jesus, we're so stacked. It's like. Hey, man. Hey, Cal. You'd probably be a number five starter a year or two ago, but uh, sorry, bud. <laughs> Pack your bags are going back to El Paso. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of when you look at it <laughs> with the rotation that we have, you're going to need every single one of those arms, whether yeah. they start the season with the big club or in AAA or even AA. I mean, you, you're going to need every single one of those arms because I can see a lot of uh, – what do they what do they call it when you go back and forth between AAA and, and the big leagues? I'm, it's uh it's escaping me right now. But Quackenbush used to be that guy. Yeah, the uh something to do with a bus, but I forget. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Someone's gonna tell us. Uh, but yeah, I see a lot of that happening. They're gonna use a lot of those options on these guys. Uh, there's gonna be constant, constant change in the bullpen, with the exception of a few guys. But I look at you talked about Pagan, man, and I, I'll be honest, dude, I never even heard of him before this year. I mean, I heard of him, but I didn't really I didn't. dive into the video. Until never he got heard him. of him. And then I look up the stats. I look up the stats first of all because I'm a simpleton. I'm gonna look yeah. up his counting stats. I'm gonna True look up words, all that stuff. never spoken. Um, and I, I really liked what I saw, and I'm like, holy shit. And then I look up the, the scouting re- reports and the, the videos on him and the clips, and I'm like, wow, dude, the ball explodes out of his he hand. He has a really long, like, yeah. drive from he the really mountain. Does. Yeah, real long extent. When they say, like, oh, you know, you want to get good extension in your bottom half, finish out in front, Pagan is that, like, to a T. Yeah. Like, super, super, super long stride. Ball flies out of his hands. He's landing on top of the hitter. Um and the reason I like it too is like, and don't get me wrong, I, I've never wanted to give up on a 25 year old, like defensive wizard center fielder who might figure it out offensively and doesn't need to do much to be an everyday guy. But I like that Preller basically took a guy that he targeted in a trade to get him, Margot, and punted and said, to hell with it. I got Grisham. I like Grisham better. I like Cordero potentially better. Obviously, Will Myers is part of this equation because they got to find at bats for him because. You have no other choice at this point unless yeah. you're going to bench him, which we don't think they'll do. So he basically punts, but he gets back three years of control of not just an elite reliever, but let's be honest, at least until next year when, assumedly, Yates walks, um, Pagan's like our second or third best reliever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, you we know, don't know was, what we're getting with Pomeranz and, and Johnson. So, I mean, he might be our second best reliever, but he could be not as good as Munoz, but still really good. I was, I was going to ask you if the addition of Pagan means that they're going to be shopping Yates. Um, I thought initially it might have been, but I think I, I really do think that Preller looked at the market, and I, and this is again I, I know Preller has his faults, and this is really going to be a re- year to test him to see can he build a major league roster. But I do think that 
it came from looking at the market thinking, what do we need? Okay, well, we need a center fielder. Well, I've got Grisham, who has the speed and possibly the jumps to play center field, so he might be able to be average. And I do think Grisham is going to be a solid you know, leadoff type of hitter um, with his plate discipline and his approach. And I think Preller looked at it and said, well, there's not really a whole shit ton on the market. Like, there's nobody out there. Who am I going to get? You know, we've, I, I, we've heard he's kicked the tire on, tires on Senzel, but how much do the Reds want to move him? You yeah. know, what do we have that they want? So I think what he looked at was just a market that didn't really have exactly what they need, a bloated roster of outfielders, and figured, hey, I've got some surplus. The Rays like what we've got already. We already know that with Renfro. So maybe they'll like Margot. And then he just pivoted to saying, you know what? Why don't we just make a strength stronger? Like, the bullpen was already good. It was good last year. It was. Um, a lot of that was because of Yates, but Munoz came up and did really well. You know, we were banking on Castile Strong, looked better on the pen. And then, obviously, they've made the additions already with Johnson and Pomeranz. I think he just looked at it and said, fuck it, we're already good. We might as well make the bullpen without spending a ton of money on it, like the Rockies, and just acquire talented arms that are under control and make it that much better. And then, worst case, if you're halfway in it or maybe a trade presents itself, you can move Yates but still in a way to add on to the team, right? Like it's it's like the Indians moving Bauer. Um, you know, Cleveland traded prospects, but they got Bauer back. It's the Padres trading a closer to try to get something else back, but still remaining competitive. So I, I think that's more of the approach. Let's make a strength stronger because what we really need isn't out there. So we're just going to try to get better than we already are in another aspect to make us uh, – a little bit better and a little bit deeper. And help that pitching stat, because I really do think it's going to be five and dive for a lot of these guys. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And and, and really, their arms have already been showcased throughout the spring. Now, we know it's a spring. Lamette looks uh, – I yeah, wanted yeah. to touch on that because you oh, brought yeah. it up. Lamette looks jacked. He really does. He looks like big, barrel-chested. Like he's been <laughs> lifting tons of weights in the offseason. Now, yeah. I'm still iffy on the command. I, I am always iffy on the command. I think Paddock's That's fair. A, yeah, I think Paddock's the opening day guy just because – I don't think his stuff is better than Lamette. I just think he can throw more strikes and pitch deeper. Lamette's very, even before Tommy John was hit or missed, but dude, if Lamette can click, I think you can rely on Lamette and Paddock for 170, 180 innings. I don't think that's out of the realm of, of possibility. And they were very, uh, they did not baby Lamette the way they did Paddock last year. No, When they he did. came back up. So I can see that, but the rest of the rotation, like, uh, what is it, Kyle Davies? Eh, that's Zach Davies. Zach Davies. I don't know. <laughs> Davies. Create yeah. a player Davies. Meh. Lucchese. Meh. Richards. God knows. Uh, and then hopefully Patino and, and Gore. I'm fine with Lucchese. And, I, and I'm really interested to see if... Um, to see how about advanced analytics and, and approach that Jace Tingler actually is. Because if you look at the numbers last year, Lucchese, that third time through the order, he that's sucked. where it got him. That's he where it got sucked. him. So I'll be really interested to see this year if Tingler, hey, it's the second time through. You know what? Eh, it's the fourth inning, but fuck it. We have this elite yeah. bullpen. They're going after it. Yeah, he, uh, I'll be interested to see if he does that. If he does do that, overall, Lucchese's numbers are going to naturally improve. Yeah, So, and, and you got guys that can go multiple innings. I mean, Pomeranz and Strom, you know, they were starters. And yeah. it's not long, long ago either. Like, they were both starters last year. They didn't do well, and they got moved back into the bullpen. So, it's not like you can't go out there and say – and Stammen can go a couple. We know that. But it's not like you say, okay, you know, it's the fifth inning – He's getting the third time through the order. We're trying to get him. It's four and two-thirds. Fuck you. I want to win. I'm just going to bring in Strom and tell him to just gas it out for the next inning and a third or whatever it may be. So hopefully, hopefully we can do that. Because, I, I mean, you know, the time to let Lucchese figure it out was the last two years. At this point, like, you got to manage to win. It's not about can he get through the third the order of the third time through. We know for a fact he cannot. The numbers do not support it. Yeah, so. but if he pitches very well the first two oh, yeah. times through and they pull him, I still yeah. think that's effective. Yeah, I do At too. least until there's another option that comes yeah. along. But I like I like Joey and I like that 
I like the thought of that. I mean, we kind of we kind of evolved from hey, we really want the uh, the bullpenning or the or the yeah. backpacking yeah. of guys with the way that they're set up now. I think it's just kind of like hey, maybe with Lucchese you do that, but our yeah. other guys, you know, they look nice. And in the spring, man, the the Padres they are not giving up runs. No. I know it's spring. I know you know hitters stats are don't matter. A little bit behind. But yeah. yeah, hitters are behind. Whatever, but. They're preventing runs very well, and it's it's nice to see, man. It's really nice to see. Yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up over what I've seen over a few spring yeah. training games, but, and, man, uh, if this is any sign of what's to come, that's exciting. Apparently, Paddock has changed his curveball grip to the regular curveball to your and I favorite, the good old spiked curveball. Yeah. Um, so I've seen him throw it once or twice. It didn't look great, but you know I don't have enough of a sample slice to judge it. But what well, his curveball improved last year? If you look at Pitching Ninja, they, they showed like the beginning they, of the year and how it was more loopy. It. It, was, it had more of a hum, more of a yeah. loop. And then towards the end of the year, it got a little bit more sharp. And then um, Chris Paddock, or no, was was it Paddock or Garrett Richards? One of the two. I lose track over all the great guests that we have on 97.3, the fam, Ben <laughs> Woods, number one morning show in all of San Diego. But one of those two guys, they had mentioned that Paddock and Richards worked with each other during the offseason. So Paddock picked up on his breaking ball. And then Richards picked up on the changeup. Change it was up. Richards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. So I don't remember the interview, but I remember Garrett Richards saying, like, yeah, you know, I, I picked up on his changeup grip because I've never really had one. Yeah. yeah. So And, and I, was, I was watching a little bit of his start today, and I saw him go into it more, which, of course, it's a spring, and that's, you know, that's what you want to do. Should. Yeah. But the thing that I love about Paddock, man, and, and again, I know I'm going to say it all, all podcasts, it's the spring. I get it. And this is when you want to work on things. But he was facing Moncada today, and it was a 3-1 count. And you're thinking, all right, well, he's going to pipe him one. No, he throws his changeup, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, that's ace shit right there. Yeah. Like, you have an elite pitch, and you're comfortable with it, and you're going to it. So 3-1, he drops a changeup way out in front. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, man. And I don't even remember what happened the rest of the AB, but he, that uh, pitch, that's a big pitch, man. He got the uh, an early contender for sword of the week against yeah. Commanderson. I saw that. I saw <laughs> that. a fucking running fastball up and in. But I, I honestly think... And I was talking to uh, my cousin AJ, who will be on the trip with uh, with us here in spring training, along with Drunk Flan. Yeah. He's on his way. That'll be uh, interesting. But uh, <laughs> the infamous, yes, the infamous, the pole master himself, yeah. Drunk Flan, polarizing figure. Yes, that one. <laughs> that's a terrible <laughs> plan. Look at your dad jokes you come so far. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. man. But yeah, um, driving in that car, we're gonna have a total of two divorces. <laughs> Two and a half. Yes, two I'm sure half. mine's coming soon. Soon, not soon enough. But uh, <laughs> with uh, with the bullpen, and I've been talking to AJ about it. I feel like our pitching staff is probably better than I think people are giving us credit for. It. Now you're welcome to tag us, you know, at five five pod and tell me I'm an idiot, um, by all means. But I do think that the pitching staff is not going to be as big of a problem as we're mentioning, namely because they're so deep. Guys like Morahone, Baez, and Quantrill who'd probably make the team otherwise. Um, particularly Baez and Quantrill, who both pitched relatively well last year in spurts, um, are going to be down in AAA. They're probably not making the ball club, right? Like, you're not relying on, at this point, Perdomo. Gore is going to be close to ready. Patino is going to be close to ready. So you got four guys who can come up at, you know, any moment to go ahead and fill in with a roster where your worst pitcher is Lucchese, whereas last year we were like, oh, maybe Lucchese is the opening day starter. You know, yep. the, you know he's our best pitcher just because we knew what he could do. Also, like the the depth that they have, and we kind of talked about the depth that they have in the rotation, but it's it's to the point now, and it kind of helps us out. Now, it doesn't really help us out by winning like this year, but it doesn't hurt us. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't hurt us, but it kind of helps because when we look at it now, it's kind of like, hey, like 
Mackenzie Gore has to be just fucking incredible this spring to break camp with the yeah. club. And or somebody like, has to get hurt. He's gonna have to Nancy exactly. Kerrigan like uh, <laughs> Davies knee or something. Exactly. But like I'm looking at it now and I'm like, hey, maybe if he spends a couple months down in the minors, get us that extra so year of control. We lost that with Paddock. We lost it with Tatis. So hey, maybe if we get that extra year with Gore, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I and don't again, hate it. I lo- I really love the way we're set up right now. It's easier to I think in the minors. Like let's say the Ponders are in it, right? Let's say June comes around. They've played 60 games. They're 35 and 25, right? And you're like, fuck, we're in it, right? Like, we're doing better than we were last year this time of year. We're not floating around 500. We're well above. Um, If you have guys in the minors like Patino and Gore, you can control their workload a little bit more in the minors. So we talk about, like, guys, when they go out and have bad starts, it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. They could be working on shit that we don't know about. So you can't scout the stat line. Um, and with those two guys down there just kind of biding their time and working on shit, you can really control their workloads so that when they come up into the majors, we're not babying them. You know, where they're coming up like the Walker Buellers, the Dustin Mays, where it's like, hey, we're just going to give you the rest of the month. Just go out there and gas it like we've saved you this whole time. Yeah. Now it's time to go. Rather than, let's say he did break camp like Paddock broke camp last year, right? Now that was great because we got to see Paddock early on, but at the same time, you could see when they did the the phantom, you know, uh, reassignment to single A, and then you know breaking up his starts, getting a sixth day in there here and there. Like you can see them manipulating. Well, that was due to Tommy John. Yeah, but you can see, but but and, and also because he just hadn't accumulated a ton of innings. True. And so you're you're trying to like manipulate the time that you have, you know, the finite amount of time you have to keep him going, so you don't have to shut him down so early while still letting him go out there and pitch. Whereas, if he was in the minors, you wouldn't really have to worry about that because you don't have to have him go out there. Like, Gore doesn't need to go out there every start and throw five, six, seven innings. He can go three to five, max effort, and then, you know, take an extra day off here or take an extra day off there or whatever. So, I do like that they have so much depth that we don't have to rest those guys up this year. Amen, dude. Amen. Because last year we needed Paddock. We did. We did. (laughs) and absolutely needed You know, the hope is that when they come up, that's going to mean we need them and we're, we're yeah, primed exactly. for a run. Yeah, That's what the hope is. Yeah. And, you know, kind of – I was thinking today on the drive home and, you know, you meant, you said that we were going to talk about uh, Mookie Betts, which, I mean, at the end of the day, the Mookie Betts talk, we're, of course we're late on Mookie talk. Everyone's been talking about it ad nauseum, like forever on Twitter while it was hap- – or before it happened. My insider gave during, me the old stone-cold stunner on that one. <laughs> after. I mean, it, everyone's been talking about Mookie Betts nonstop. And, you know, so we're going to throw our two cents in with the hope that if we can make it just stale enough and repeat the same content over and over and over again, we can get a time slot on 1360. We might um, get some Patreon, uh, some Patreon but, subscribers and some ads. But – uh, what I wanted to say is the Mookie Betts non-trade. We were looking at what the rumored package was. It was uh, Quantrill. It was Arias. It was, help me out, Campusano, Myers, uh, Margot. And Margot. And, and uh, money. And half of Myers' contract. Yeah, and so I'm, basically 30 mil. I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, man, like we would have really given up a lot just to save $10 million a year. Now, now I'm looking at it, and by that trade not happening, sure, he went to L.A. It sucks. Like, Palais is going to be fucking insufferable this year. But... In the, in the long run, when I look at it now, I'm like, hey, like we're going to eat that money for Myers. One way or another, we're going to pay that fucking money for Myers. Yeah. And it's a gamble to have him start the season on the club. I mean, if he tanks, then his value is complete shit. But it's already shit. Yeah. So it's going to go from shit to complete shit. So they really don't have anything to lose by keeping him at this exactly. point. Exactly. All, it's all you have to, 
all you have is to gain and, yeah. and to have him get more value. And by the way, the more that he stays on the team, the less money and the less money that he's owed, the less money that you'll have to eat to give him up. Yeah, but I'm looking at it as well, like for uh, when the trade deadline comes along, I'm thinking about those guys, Campisano, Arias, Quantrill. Um, I'm thinking about those guys, and I'm like, man, it's going to be really nice if we're set up for a run to be able to use those chips to get better yeah. because we didn't use those chips to get rid of half of Myers' contract. Let's say, and I have been targeting this motherfucker for, I feel like, the last year, but let's say Cleveland finally, like, let's say the, the White Sox and Rick Renneria gets his head out of his ass and stops fucking bunting, right? <laughs> let's say that happens, and they're actually competitive like wild card. We know the Twins are going to be good because they're going to beat up on Detroit. Um and they signed uh, my favorite non-Latino third baseman, the bringer of rain. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we know they're going to be good. The Indian, the Indians might be good. They may or may not. I feel like they're not going to be because they didn't do anything to improve. They just gave away Corey Kluber. So let's say they find themselves in a position where they're like, fuck, we're like around 500 or so. We're trying to get rid of Lindor. We're trying to get rid of, you know, any kind of money. You know, we need to replenish and reload. I'm fucking kicking their door down and saying, hey, guys, we have this package of players we're going to give away for one year of bets. You guys want that for Jose Ramirez? Who else we got to throw in there? Like, (laughs) they now have – and don't get me wrong. You're right. Bets would have been great. I think he would have made us a no-doubt playoff contender. We would have gotten out of uh, Myers' deal. We made it to where the Dodgers wouldn't get him. Yeah, we made it to the (laughs) – and and I can argue that given what the Dodgers have lost in the offseason, getting price and bets doesn't make – it makes them – they're going to win – even without those guys, they were going to win the division, right? Yeah, no question. But I don't think it makes them – better or more favorites they just have like more total value combined into two guys as opposed to the five or six that they ended up losing but um they did have to give up uh jeter down so at least they took a dent in the fucking farm system yeah bastards but anyways um but now that the potters have that package you know now even though it would have been nice to have bets we're stuck with myers regardless right like him and hosmer neither of them are going anywhere unless we find somebody to you know swindle in a trade um but you're right. Now we have that package where, like, let's say, and I'm a big believer in Mejia. I think Mejia is one of the guys. I, I look at Mejia and Grisham and go, man, if those guys can hit their ceilings like this year or really take a big step forward, that's going to be a big push in, in helping us become a playoff contender. Right? Let's say Mejia does that. We know the automated strike zone is coming. We know that that's going to make uh, catcher framing and receiving less important. So as long as you can learn to call a good game and have a good arm and you can hit, you're probably going to be a major league catcher. Thank God. And uh, – if those guys take a step forward, now you have Campusano, who's one step closer. He's now half. He's half a season closer now, right? Hopefully, half a season establishing himself again as a top fifty prospect, which I think at this point consensus he's a top fifty. So now we can sit there and say, hey, let's package Arias, who's looked really good last year. I was surprised. Let's package Campusano, who I think outside of Taylor Trammell is probably you know their top, their next level of top prospects. And now we can go out, you're right, we can go make a move. Maybe we can get Lindor to play second base. Maybe he'll agree to it, or maybe somebody will move, or you know, we'll figure it out. But you're right, not getting bets, even though it sucks, it was a short-term gain, whereas if they're competing and they're as good as we're hoping and thinking they could realistically be, we still have that package of depth that we can move for maybe a longer-term piece later on down the line. Yeah, no question. Now, you mentioned Mejia a couple of times just now, and, and there is no question. There is no question. If you guys follow me on Twitter... At miserable SD fan. That's for Mensrea. Hey, hey, uh, I, Mensrea can't tell uh, the difference between our voices. So if you guys follow me on Twitter at miserable as wait, SD he's fan. been listening since day one. No, he hasn't. Uh, but he can't tell the difference between us. Anyways, I only introduce us. Anyways, with Mejia, I love Mejia. That is my catcher. I fucking hate Austin Hedges with a passion. Yes, I hate Austin Hedges. But 
I'm looking at it in the spring, and stats don't matter in the spring, but what does matter is blocking a ball between your legs. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> you can't watched let the ball. Games, yeah. You can't let the ball go between your legs, and I've seen him do it multiple times already. Man, fr- I love Frankie, but, man, that is a bad look. That's a bad look, man. And it's, it's like, get your ass down. Get your Fair. ass down. Block the fucking ball. That's all I ask. But, like, I see that. When I see that, man, I get so pissed because, number one, I know my mentions are about to blow up. <laughs> So I'm like, here we go. And number two, I'm like, God, Frankie, like you had the whole off season and you're still pulling the shit in the spring. Like yeah. the framing, I can get over the framing, man. Like I, I, I don't get care it. About that. I get I it. I do, but I don't. Also, uh, John Boy uh, posted a video about how like the evolution of framing uh-huh. and how they're changing it. It won't come through well on a podcast, but if you guys want to check it out, they're talking about like on the low pitch, starting the glove like at the dirt uh-huh. and then coming up to catch it, so you don't start it right here, drop down, and then bring it back up. So I, I saw that and I'm like, man, that's that's pretty easily learned i'm sure for a guy that's yeah. been catching for a while but that ball going between the legs man you gotta block that shit you have to block it and you know i was really hoping that Mejia would come into the spring and just run away with it but yeah. the more i see shit like that the more i'm like well fuck dude we're gonna be stuck with hedges again because ideally ideally because i don't think spring training regard and it happens every fucking year spring training in no way shape or form ever alludes to what you would expect to happen during the season. We don't know why he's getting crossed up. We have no fucking idea. It's not that he's yeah. getting crossed up. It's okay. a ball that's low that he can't block. Nonetheless. You as, I, as a catcher, and, and, I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of potential you have. We shouldn't see your number on the telecast <laughs> multiple times in yeah. a game. It shouldn't happen, especially especially not when you're when you're trying to steal that uh, starting job. And I steal, agree with, when you're trying yeah. to get it. And I agree with you. However... At this point, if the Padres are going into spring training and they don't have a general idea of what their opening day roster is going to be like, and they're legitimately saying, these guys are competing for spots, because they're going to say that in public, right? Right, of course. They're going to say that, right? Like, Grisham is competing for a spot. Bull fucking shit. That guy is in your starting outfield one way or the other. Yeah. There's no competing, right? And for the most part, that's how it should be. You should be able to analyze your own in-house options to realize, like, yeah, we're going to tell the players that or we're going to tell the media that. But in all reality, we already know what we're going with. I would hope that that's the case with the catching situation. Regardless of which direction they go in, I would hope and assume that they already have a pretty good idea of how they're going to use that tandem. Because unless a trade magically comes out of nowhere... Which, God, that'd be nice. Hedges isn't going anywhere. He's going to be here. He's probably, at the very least, going to be Paddock's personal catcher. Um, I could see them splitting time or doing another 60-40 chair. Who gets the most of that, we'll we'll have to see. But I would imagine they already know, and the team, the the players involved, they're probably already aware of how they're going to be used going into the season. This is what the expectation is. Here's what you should expect. Yeah. So... On that note, you're right. He should, you know, loosen up the old asshole and start blocking balls in the dirt. You have thank, to. Thank God I didn't watch the game because I would have been fucking furious. <laughs> yeah, you have to, man. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Grisham and, and all the talk, like, when he came in. It's like, I have eh. a comp for him, by the way, when you're ready. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. You know, I love comps. Um, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay. So, he's a right fielder. I heard from a couple people, a couple, like, you know, national guys. Oh, he's he's a corner outfielder. He can't play center. You know, people are talking that he can't play center. And I'm looking at it. I got it, it from Langenhagen saying that he's more of a corner guy. Okay. Well, that's great. Yeah, but, like, I, I, I look at it and I, I look at how fast he is, number one. And that's that should never be like, oh, hey, he's fast. He can play center. But if you look at the OAA stat that everyone was talking about, Padres Farm was absolutely jizzing himself over OAA. You look at that. It's What's that stand for, Eric? Outs above average. So proud of you. It's an accumulative stat. And Trent Grisham 
did very well in limited time. Yes. And I'm like, dude, if you can get jumps like that in the corner, who's to say you can't get jumps like that in center? So, and whatever jumps he may lack on, he's going to make up for it with the speed. I mean, we were looking at Franchi in center field, in which we still might. We played Will Myers in center field. Yeah. So yeah, if we put Will I'm Myers out there. I'm fine with Grisham <laughs> in center field. And I'm, I'm to the point now where, like, hey, now that Margot's gone, like, let's roll. <laughs> let's roll. And I look at the outfield, and I'm like, all right, we have Tommy Pham, who, you know, he's coming out a little bit slow from injury and like oh hey we're gonna really play it slow with him and i think he's gonna be able to you know have his abs he's gonna he's gonna get you 140 150 games he'll be there plenty but i'm looking at him like all right there's fam there's grisham and then right field who takes over right field is it will is it Naylor? is it franchi who the fuck is gonna play right one of those guys has to go whether it be a trade or whether it be san antonio is franchi out of options i wonder i don't know if he's out of options but i feel I like know. the odd man out right now is Naylor. Because he has options. Yeah. Um, and he's not really an outfielder. And I don't care what anybody says. He's To hope he gets to average is, I mean, long fucking shot. He wasn't good defensively as a first baseman. And now we want him to play out of position. I don't care how much weight he loses. I just don't think he's going to be even a decent corner outfielder. I think you're just putting him in a position to fail. Um, he also has, like I said, options. And I think that, yeah, you have. If, if you're trying to win, your best bet is to try to get as much as you can. I'm fucking running Franchi out there. I might run Franchi in center just because he might have more experience and I think his tools play up a little bit better than Grisham, but either or. Um, but that's the way I'm looking at it this year is because I mentioned, you know, I think Grisham and Mejia, Cordero's the other wild card. You know, if he can step up and give us a healthy three or 400 plate appearances with his skill level and his ability fuck, maybe we get a breakout player all of a sudden. And then you can platoon Myers and put him in a position where, you know, he's not out there every single fucking day and you're still getting some kind of value. So uh, that's – I feel like Naylor's the odd man out. As far as Grisham goes, he doesn't have to be great in center because I think offensively he's going to be the opposite of Margot. Margot would flirt with mediocrity offensively but was really good defensively. I think Grisham is going to flirt with being average or mediocre in center, but I think he's going to be an upgrade um, – Offensively, Now, my comp for him, or I hope Grisham ends up being, because I, I think my biggest gripe at the time of the trade was that he's not a high-ceiling player. He's a high-floor player. You read his scouting reports, and I don't buy that his grip was the reason he didn't hit for three years in the minors. I just don't think he was that good until last year. But I do He think, has a golf grip now, though. Yay! He's got a t- hideous swing. But nonetheless, <laughs> I think if we are lucky, if it, if it breaks out right and Preller and his team were correct on what they evaluated him as, we get like peak Petco Park era Brian Giles. Now, I know people <laughs> want to tar and feather me, but let's take let's take the domestic abusing sack of shit running around naked and spikes uh, in the team locker room part out of it, and let's just look at the numbers. Let's just look at the numbers. Brian Giles, as, as just numbers, was a walks machine. He got on base at like a 360 or 370 clip. He ran the base as well. He was mediocre or so in the outfield. I guess if you look at it, because it's hard to say back then. But, you know, from an offensive standpoint, he got on base. He ran the base as well. He hit some fucking doubles. He was a well above average player. I think as a Padre, he averaged like three or four wins a year um, before he started getting hurt. So if that, to me, that could be Grisham's ceiling. And he's going to be closer to that because he's already a higher floor guy. And I think there's a decent chance he hits that. If he hits that, and then on top of Tatis, Machado, and Pham getting to get bumped down the lineup, hitting behind that guy. That's huge for us. It is. I'm really, especially if it's in center field. Yep. Especially if it's in center field. So I'm really 
pulling for Grisham. I wish Urias the best. Wish he was still here, but he's not. So now we got to pull for Grisham. Yeah. Got to pull for Grisham. I want Grisham to succeed. I think a platoon of Myers and Cordero in right field would work out really well, especially if Cordero can stay healthy. And if he can't stay healthy, or, you know, if Myers sucks, well, Taylor Trammell's getting pretty close. And then either he can slide into center. They've been putting him in right, I believe. I've seen him in right with his lollipop pie throwing arm. <laughs> if you've ever, if you're ever curious as to why Taylor Trammell gets low ratings on his arm, just watch him play catch. It's as if he's never played catch or thrown a baseball his entire life. It's like I told you. It looks like he's supposed to throw right-handed, but he's just trying out <laughs> left-handed. Oh, let's see if this left-handed. Let's see what this is all about. That's how it looks like when he even warms it's up. So bad. Yeah, it, it is bad. So That's bad. Definitely not a strong suit for him. You know, uh, one well, of your loaded lines, on a three hopper to third base from like. <laughs> center field the other day. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, <laughs> you mentioned Brian Giles and and the line that um, you mentioned AJ earlier. The line that AJ and I love to throw in your face all the time is you're like, oh, I would take nine Brian Giles any day of the week. We would win a lot of games if we had nine of those guys. So of course, uh, of course, you like that comp. But I'm not surprised at all because you're also a huge fan of domestic violence. No, no, um, I am not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am a huge fan of walks and getting on base. Yeah. Now you did mention Urias in second base, and kind of we're looking at uh, Jerks and Profar. He was the trade. We everyone knows we traded away Austin Allen. We traded away uh, Buddy Reed for him, and now it's kind of the talks are coming out like, hey, maybe he hasn't fixed this problem with the yips. Maybe he's not going to be okay to be the everyday second baseman. They brought in Brian Dozier. So now there's a little bit of a competition. And it's really the most boring competition I was that, you'll ever you, see, that, that you'll ever see. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, all right, well, AC comes out, and he points out that it's a non-guaranteed contract. So maybe they can save $5 million if Profar doesn't make the team. And I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the stats. I'm looking at uh, Dozier. I'm looking at also Profar. And I'm kind of saying, hmm, who would I rather go forward with? I'm going with Dozier. I don't care that there's the trade for Profar. I don't care that we gave up pieces for Profar. And I, it would be admitting a mistake. It's a worthy risk for me to, to, to make that trade. Maybe Profar hits. That's worth it to me. But when I look at it now and I'm looking at the guys that we have, I'm going with Dozier, man. He's going to be my second baseman. What do you think? Uh, just to play devil's advocate, because I'll be honest, I don't think either of those scrubs are really all that good. They're not. <laughs> They're not. We're talking cream you, of the crap here. You were not lying. Yeah. <laughs> you said boring competition. I would still go with huh? I would still go with Profar just because I don't think the throwing the throwing issue's new. It's it's like randomly happened, which I think you can fix. Um Dozier's also older and I think He's thirty two. Like yeah. he's your age. Uh, I'm older than that, thank you. I'll be 34 in a couple weeks. Okay. If anybody wants to buy any t-shirts for my birthday. Look at you. But uh, Profar's 27. He had a rough start last year, and then he picked it up. Um, I think Dozier would hit better for power. I mean, I could. the roster's so goddamn limited. It's so stuffed that uh, I can't see a platoon option, especially because I think, I can't remember who it was, it may have been Pog Langford on a... On Twitter, was saying that they're both the better side of a uh, of a platoon as the right-handed side of the platoon. So that doesn't really work either. I don't really think it matters. Um, Profar doesn't get on base, man. I you're right, he doesn't. And uh, Dozier, I'm looking at Dozier's on baseball. He played a lot last year, but uh, he no, he got on base quite a bit last year. So maybe you're right. Maybe Dozier, they've been emphasizing that with yeah. the moves that they've made in the offseason. Yeah, which is funny that they went for Profar because he's not an on-base machine. But well, um, they went for Profar because yeah. of Preller. Like we all know yeah, that. Yeah, that's clearly that's his guy. So I mean, I don't think there's really a lose-lose there. Like I don't think I think if you had to, you know, if you put a gun to my head and tell me pick which one's gonna have the better season. 
I would probably bank on Dozier just because of the you know, he's got the larger body. But you of just work. said that you wouldn't go with him. I wouldn't because I don't think there's. But he's going to have the better season. How does it make any well, sense? He might have the better season offensively from like go with the guy who's going to be better. Bat bat. Save five million by cutting. Hold Brofar. on, I'm not done yet. I think at bat <laughs> for a bat, maybe he's a better hitter. I don't think he's going to be. A, I could be wrong on this because I haven't. Like I said, I'm so uninterested in it. I've not bothered to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think pro number one profile is more versatility. He can play more all over the infield. So we're case if he's a backup and maybe for god's sakes kuros gets a shot or maybe maybe cronenworth ends yeah. up holding down the spot like who knows and then profar becomes a nice you know kind of greg garcia um but except he'll play the outfield a little bit so i do think he has some versatility i would venture to say being you know six five or six years younger he might be a little bit more spry on the bases um as far as base running goes so if I had to pick the more like multifaceted player, that's why I would go profile. I think he brings a little bit more to the table where if they're both going to be one-win players, at least one guy's giving you a little bit more in other aspects. Where Dozier's strict, strictly offense. Yeah, he's strictly he's going to get on base and hit twenty home runs, and we're all going to look at that and forget that you know maybe he can't run or field all that well. Yeah, I but, mean whatever. But, Give me Dozier. Give me Dozier. <laughs> Give you the white guy. We'll do, Eric. Oh, okay. We'll okay. do, Eric. Well, well, well. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm waiting for don't Kevin want AC the, to tell me. Don't want the next Latino second baseman, huh? <laughs> Been hanging out with the old farm family, eh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luis Urias had his shot. <laughs> he had a fair shot, okay? I don't care what anyone Good luck, says. Luis. We miss you. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, you know, we got about mm, probably 10, 12 minutes before we get into the Padre Twitter segment. You didn't tag segment. me into the Padre Twitter segment, by the way. I yeah. have to pull it up manually today. <sighs> yeah, so there's a few there's a few good ones there on, uh, you know, in print, I should say. <laughs> that they responded, and, and I did see that the voicemails blew up, so we won't be able to get to all of them. But um, there there are a few on there that I want to look at. But uh, before, before we get to that, I'm looking, and I, I kind of want to know what some predictions are and everyone says oh you know predictions it is kind of a, a tired thing but i love it it's also fun because i remember when uh was it at the end of last year i went or i forgot when it was but i went back and listened to our before the season ago. podcast two years ago and i was high as fuck on makita <laughs> i was so ago. stoked and then at the end it's fun to play it back about how fucking we're stupid talking about we were. perella i mentioned i yes. had a smoking hot girlfriend and i ended up single by the end of the season <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. That was 2018. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah That's exactly. why I remember that. Yeah, so it's kind of fun. So yeah. so how do you think this team is going to look? When it's all said and done, how is this team going to look? How's How's it going to play out? I think they're going to win 84 games. I think they'll be in it for the most part. Um, I think they'll try to make a move at the deadline, and Preller will be really staunch on what he wants and what he's willing to give up, and they won't do it. Um, so I think uh, 84 wins with maybe a minor addition here or there. Um, I think we'll see the debuts of Gore and Patino at some point, depending on where they're at, probably after July, uh, for anywhere between July and September. Um, I also think we'll see Kuros get a shot, because as much as I want Profar to succeed because we really need him to, the track record's just not there. So I think I think you'll see second base get a lot of different... Uh, it'll be just like 07 when we had Marcus Dial start, and then we just went through a fucking plethora of different guys right. to see who can... you know, bring. Did you bring your glove today? Great, you're at second. Yeah. Um, so that's the other prediction. I think second base will be uh, interesting to watch. There's going to be a carousel of different players, guys making their debuts. Um, and uh, I do think they make 
I'm gonna. I think they're gonna make one big trade. Whether it's gonna help for this year or it's gonna be more of like when they initially traded for Brian Giles, they weren't really that good. But they <laughs> man, you love Brian Giles. Today. I don't. It's just it's, see when I go back and look, it's funny that they traded. Why is your for fist him? clenching up? What? Your my hands fist are, is clenching. My hands up. are wide. You know, we're gonna do a live pod one of these days, <laughs> so you can see my hands are open. So, yeah. but. They got him in the year before Peckham. They weren't really that good. They just got him because they figured, hey, we have him for a couple more years. We're going to trade for him now. I can see them making that kind of move. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the Reds did with Bauer. Like, yeah, they got Bauer last year because they wanted to still compete. But Bauer was more for this year for the Reds than, than last year. I can see them making that kind of move. So it's not going to push him exactly next year or this season, but a 2021 move to try to shore up some spot in the roster. Probably second base, which I think is going to suck. I think what's going to hamstring Preller is I think – he is going to be so stuck on trying to dump Myers along with acquiring someone. <laughs> and not <laughs> and taking I can, on the money. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can yeah. see that kind of uh, hindering any chance that we have at making a deal to improve at the deadline. So you say you say 84 wins 84 and a trade, wins. A, a trade at some point during the year. A long-term deal. A like long-term a, a, deal. A, a trade that'll... Pay long term, like a, a Tommy Fam, right? Like even if we even if we suck this year, we get Fam for two years. So even if we're only eighty one wins this year, we still have another year of Fam under team control, and it still makes sense to get him okay. when you think you're going to win. So some one more move like that, probably somewhere in the infield, I would imagine. You know what, man? It's just so I was thinking about this on the way home, and I'm like, when I look at it, if I think about I, a lot on the way home, how long does that drive? It's really fifteen minutes. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man. I can see so many different outcomes with this team. And what what yeah. I immediately fall back on is just knowing and growing up and living my entire oh, life no. a Padre fan. I think what's most realistic, they're not going to meet their expectations. They're going to end up with 79 to 82 wins, oh. tops. 82 tops. wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't, but it wouldn't be great. No. Okay. But my initial thought, my very initial thought was 85. I think they're going to win 85 games. Maybe some things break for them one way or another, plus or minus three. Maybe that's where they're going to be at. I and I say fair. that because of starting rotation, and I say that because of uh, the bullpen. But what I'm going to uh, what I'm going to say is, in 2010, they had Adrian Gonzalez and a bunch of sacks of shit. They and had Chase Headley, and they won 90 games, <laughs> and they were in it until the very last day. So if that fucking team, that team, can win 90 games. I think the Padres can win 90 games this year. What I think is going to happen, you mentioned at the deadline, making a trade for a future piece. I think, like I mentioned earlier, the non-bets move is going to help us. I think we're going to use some of those pieces. It might be the exact same pieces. Yeah, the exact same. It's a really great package of players. And I think it's going to be a really exciting time during the deadline. Look at last year even. We didn't even have that great of a team when you look at it. And at the break, they were right at 500. And then they just fell off a fucking cliff. So if they can at least, if they can get to the break, maybe a little above 500... It's going to be exciting because the, the rumors are going to pick up. Hey, we're going after this guy. Potters are targeting this guy, this guy, this guy. And the league's and just we not have as the pieces. Good. We have the pieces. Yeah. And you'll have a full half season of minor league ball to see, okay, well, what do we have now? There's these pieces progressing. How do how do guys like Tierso and Onyo yeah. look? Hey, do we, are we getting shit out of them? Cantillo. There's a lot of movement there, and I think they're going to make a move. I can see them making a short-term move. If they can make a short-term move. Now, by short-term, term, you mean two months or like a year and a half? It depends on where they're at. If they see a piece where they can go for it and go for it this year with dumping Myers, 
Like, hey, you can get all these guys, and guess what? Guess what? You got to take Myers, but we'll eat half the money. But you get all these prospects back for a guy that you're going to trade anyways because he's gone at the end of the year. He's going to walk. I don't even know. I'd have to look. I, I, I'm available. like trying to think who the fuck would that be. I don't know. But JD I'm, Martinez. I'm, I'm looking at it like that, and I think the Padres are gonna are gonna go in to make a move for someone for the run for the push. Whether it works, whether it pays off, I don't know. But I can honestly see this team. Winning ninety games, so I'll say I'll say fair. ninety games. You know why? Because I want to listen at the end of the year when they are sixty nine. When they win sixty nine games, yeah, you can you can have the uh, and I'm I used to laugh have a hot girlfriend comment. With I'm going to laugh wins. at myself. So I see that, and you know what? I want to bring something else up because uh, my thoughts on this have changed. I thought about this on my way to work <laughs> while I was listening to my beloved Ben and Woods ninety seven three the fan top morning show in San Diego. Excuse me, sorry, that's uh, my son's grandma. Um, your mom? You mean yeah, your mom? that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about this on the way to work, and uh, <laughs> God damn it, I lost my train of thought. Um, You're listening to Ben and Woods. Yeah, I was listening to them on on the way to on the way to work, and uh, God fucking damn it, dude! I, I totally forgot what I was gonna say my fucking mom. It's all Austin's grandma's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Well, while you're trying, you're trying to drum it up here. Um, I Son don't, of a bitch! I don't think ninety wins is unreal. I think the over under is eighty five. Oh, got it. Oh, there you go. All got right, it. Let's go. Okay. On the way to work, I was thinking about how you you love to say that my opinions flip flop. You guys call it flip flop. A lot of people say flip flop. What do you call it? I call it evolve. I call it evolve. My stances evolve over time. So yeah, but then they do evolve. Well, well, you look at it and like you start with Pokemon, you start with Charmander, and then you end up with Charizard, like oh, a big boy. bad motherfucker. That's me. My opinions evolve over time. Uh-huh. When the hiring of Jace Tingler happened, I was pissed. I wanted Ron Washington. I really did. But I've evolved. I'm, I'm Charizard now, and here's why. I'm looking at it, and it's because it's not because of what Tingler has said or what he's done, but it's what they've put around him. Dickerson and Wayne Kirby I love have those been two, by the way. absolutely tremendous pickups. And I'm looking at them like Especially fuck. Dickerson and his family tree. They're surrounding him. They're surrounding him with talent. They're surrounding him with with strong with a strong foundation. Yeah. And I want to see how he adds to that, how he builds off of that. And I'm to the point where I'm like, hey man, let's roll. Like Jace is our guy. He's I mean he said, him, right right? he said the right things. He said the right things. We do have to root for him. Um, James Clark uh, sent out that video, <laughs> and it kind of catered to what I like to see. Yeah. Did you see that video? Yes. He's talking very about base briefly. running. Yeah. And he's like, "See, I don't like that pussy ass shit." And I'm like, "God damn it, that's my guy now. That has to be my <laughs> I guy." Knew it. All he had to do was open his mouth. And that just has do to some be my guy. Rugged ass wipe, and so, you're gonna love him. I'm to the point now where I'm excited. Let's see what Jace has. Let's yeah. see the the Tingler magic, as uh, your boy Padres Farm calls. Yeah, it. Kayla Tingata, right? Yeah. So yeah. no, I I I agree with you. Um, I do think I did like the coaching staff. They brought in a lot of guys who have had experience. Um, I think bringing Manny's like infield co- like coaches back, um, especially Dickerson, he has a great reputation um, as as an infield coach. Uh, Kirby's been around the game a long time, good reputation. Obviously, Larry Rothschild uh, coming in as a pitching coach. So um, they also kept guys like Barajas, Easley, Washington. They're all still with the organization. They've just been reassigned elsewhere. But I like I like what they've done with the staff so far and yeah let's see what they've got let's see what tingler can do let's see if he can light a fire under you know uh, myers's ass let's see if he can tell hosmer to hit the ball in the air like a man don't give me (laughs) that pussy ass ground ball shit hit the ball in the air so um we will see but i do think 90 wins could happen it, it, it things have to break the right way, right? Like the pitching staff has to stay intact. Or, keep the faith, Danny. Oh God! Keep as the I'm, faith. As I'm looking at a damn keep the faith version of the fryer right behind you there Amen. in your shed door. Yep. 
Yeah, we are filming outside, by the way, here at the Labu Ranch. Yeah, we sure are. It is, We're about uh, it's 200 very feet away from uh, Claremont Mesa Boulevard. Yeah. So you guys hear traffic. Put it this way. You can hear traffic uh, on the street. You can hear air traffic above, or you can hear a crying baby. So... <laughs> I heard well, uh, him. I heard the crying baby across the street. We'll keep it here. So let's get into this Padre uh, Padre Twitter. Segment. Yes, and there's some good ones. So uh, if you want to pull it up here, you can read some of the uh, some of the ones off of there. I'll start actually with one on here. It's from our beloved Latimer, human scum Ridley. He says at five point five Dan, what is your love life looking like these days? Last we heard, you had a lady friend in the picture. Is this still the case for at miserable SD fan? What is the best part of being a new father? And for both, what are Leisure Fryer's contract or what are the chances Leisure Fryer contracts the coronavirus? Well, I can answer those first two. Number one, <laughs> uh, I think uh, the best part of you being a new dad is getting to leave the baby at home with Kelsey. I think that's probably the best part. <laughs> Love life is going good. I put it on Twitter. I thought at the uh, end of the year, but I am in fact engaged. And depending on uh, what happens with this coronavirus, uh, I might get to move forward on that engagement. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, the best part about being a father, man, like it's there's there's pluses and minuses to it for sure. Like I'm not gonna lie, it gets extremely frustrating sometimes. And and um, you know, I won't without getting too far into detail about it because I mean, hey, if you want to hear about you know fatherhood, you guys would listen to the Dave and Jeff podcast. But um, <laughs> It's it's been nice, man. The, the greatest part. He's starting to smile now. He's just just past the ten week mark. Uh, he is smile. huge, by the way, folks. He is. He is a big boy. He let is. me tell you. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> a he's a big one. But uh, getting the smiles and my favorite part is sometimes I felt kind of defeated because I can't get him to calm down, and I feel like. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing the right things. But every once in a while, when when he's really screaming and I hold him and I'm able to get him to calm down and fall asleep. That's the best part of fatherhood for me so far. But uh, Leisure Fryer getting the coronavirus, like uh, my fingers have been crossed. For He's got to be immune to like disease because he eats expired meat <laughs> that's literally going out of style. And somehow survives. Yeah. So I'm just going to assume that he's just immune to it and he's living forever. Like, how the fuck is he still alive? That's what the <laughs> fuck I want to know. Like, come on, dude. Jesus. Any fucking day now. But uh, let's let's play the first one of 2020, uh, the first call-in. And we really appreciate you guys calling in. Again, we put out the, the bat signal out there for the... Uh, for the call the we're and, going it's more like the fat signal and you guys uh you guys really came through this week so we'll, we'll pick a few to play here let's play the first one hey guys uh forgive me i forgot your guys name it's been so damn long since you recorded a podcast uh it's patrick daly at patrick daly on twitter my question is when do you guys think Mackenzie gore will get called up thanks for taking my call talk to you guys later bye I kind of answered this Patrick earlier. Daly, our yeah. beloved Thanks, Patrick, Patrick Daly. Thank you. Has it really? It's been like less than three months, guys. It's been three months. Yeah, just about. Relax. Yeah. So when is Mackenzie Gore getting called up? You mentioned earlier. You want to say it again? Let's yeah, see if it lines I, up. I think uh, I think he's going to be called up sometime uh, at the earliest after June, depending on where they're at. If they're having a shitty season, probably wait till September. But if they're in it. Um, I think he's the reinforcement uh, in the starting rotation after June. What I'm going to say is I'm not going to say anything oh, because God. the last time I made a prediction, I ended up buying tacos for for the Mad Friars guys. Ended up buying we tacos. ended up buying yeah. tacos for the Mad Friars guys. So I'm not opening my big fucking mouth and making any prediction yeah. at all. Don't. Not one bit of a projection and am I, I going to make yeah. before June. This is Eli Keller, Eli Keller 27. Um, is tired of fucking having Austin Hedges on his fucking team another year. <laughs> here, here, All right. Brother. All right, yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, we're uh, we're right there with you, brother, for sure. Uh, let's go to the next one here. Hey, Eric and Danny, it's Alec Weber at Alec Weber nineteen on Twitter. Just want to say it's good to have you guys back, and it's exciting that Padres baseball is just around the corner. As I'm sure you guys have touched on in the pod, a lot of things to be excited about this upcoming season, but at the same time, there's also a lot of uncertainties and a lot of burning questions that we need answer to. So I'm here to ask one of those burning questions, and I feel like the minute we get a concise answer to this is the moment that the Padres are going to enter the next dimension, be on that, on that next level and be ready to compete. And that burning question is, why was Mike D fired? We still don't know. Anyways, hope you guys are doing well. Excited for the content in this upcoming year. And we will see you out and about. Adios. <laughs> I'm bummed he didn't say uh, State doesn't deserve the Qualcomm site. Yeah, uh, what's up with that, man? He probably just ran out of breath. If uh, we're if we're going to stick to uh, bits that have been yeah. kicked to the ground and beat the shit out of. Buried and resurrected. At least give me the, the STSU doesn't deserve the yeah. Qualcomm site. Good Lord. I will say, uh, you're very inspirational on Twitter. I've noticed a lot of different miserable uh, Brian <laughs> Jordan uh, uh, profile pictures. Um, as far as Mike D goes, my inside source says uh, NDA. <laughs> Is the uh, is the reason? So, uh, oh, I don't think we're ever going to find out. Yeah, I I would tend to believe uh, that as well. So uh, someone actually DM me, uh, our on. boy uh, Jose thirty three ninety three. He says, uh, "What would you do with Arius if he continues to hit? He looks like a Crawford type shortstop. Ooh, Tatis nice. to center. <laughs> you know, there was talk about that earlier. There with are Tatis. people that would hate this, but uh, yeah, I would probably consider moving Tatis off a of short." For Arias, who defensively is... So here's the difference between Tatis and Arias. Tatis, at some point, regardless of when you're looking at the scouting reports, was always said at some point, he's going to move off the position. He's just going to get too big. Um, That date was pushed out as people realized, oh, he's still got the foot quickness, uh, the speed. Obviously, he has the arms and the actions to still stay there for now because he's only 21 now. Um, But as he fills out, because remember, uh, his dad... As uh, I believe uh, Fangraph said, could have been a male jeans model in the 90s with his build. <laughs> if he's going to be built like his dad, he's going to have to move off eventually. Um, but Arius is the type of guy I would move because defensively, if you haven't seen Arius play shortstop in the spring, he's been getting a lot of reps. Uh, he's very good. I think yeah, he made, he made a gaffe earlier today, but he's for impressive. the most part, yeah. He's and, and Eric and I have, it's only been a handful of time in some, you know, some YouTube videos here and there, but we've gotten to see him in person at shortstop. Yeah. Um, He's really fucking good. I mean, true shortstop. So if he continues to hit because he does have that kind of uh, Javi Baez type of, I'm not saying he's going to be Javi Baez, but he has that similar um, profile where maybe he doesn't walk a ton, but he's fun to watch. He's electric defensively, and he's got pop. He has a ton of pop. That's a guy I would move Tatis to center field for because then you have a fucking stellar shortstop who might be able to hit a little bit and an absolute star in center field who could probably play center field. Yeah, I mean, I see that. But that's but, the only guy, unless they get Lindor, and then maybe I'd consider it there. But but uh, other than that, probably not. And this is assuming like two or three years down the line, because I, th- I do still think Arias is a couple years away. Yeah, I see a guy that's, what, 19 and that had a great yeah, year in like Elsinore. Now, yeah. I mean, he was young for Elsinore. Yeah. He was, of course. But I see a guy who wasn't that great with the stick until last year, and then he yeah. had a great season. So I, I think that we should probably not go jacking our dicks. 
so quickly for him. Let's let's wait and see. I'm taking the wait and see approach with uh, Arias yeah. for sure. But I mean, hey, yeah, if if he, I mean, moves, if he hits his 90th percentile, you gotta be you gotta be pretty goddamn good to move Tatis off shortstop. So if that's what end if that would end up happening, I'm cool with that. 100. percent He also wants to know, Jose. Um, let's talk about Baez and Morahone. Um, both look great, and if you think they'll become starters or not, we kind of mentioned that earlier about Baez in particular, and they they had mentioned how they're going to try to get those guys starting. Now with Morahone, <laughs> I don't know if I see it with Morahone. He has the stuff, dude. He is electric. He might have the best stuff in the whole fucking system, yeah. but. There's questions about his maturity. There's makeup. question makeup uh, questions. There's questions about for me his durability. I look at and I'm like, dude, like he hasn't been an established starter at any point at all since he came over and he's he's been a padre in our system. And I'm like, man, I just don't know. I really have to see it from him to for me to be convinced that he's gonna be a starter moving forward. Baez. Uh, especially like we were talking about the bullpen and how it's so elite. Baez can be a guy that can give you five innings. So yeah. I love that they're going to stretch him out in Elsinore. Stretch him the fuck out, dude, because he's solid. He is solid. He did, it? and he had a nice bounce back year last year. Uh, of course, the year before, he's battling some back injuries. Um, and he we've heard we've heard that the perform. team loves loves Baez. Yeah. So um, and, and I, I think I think they would love to love Morahone too if there weren't those those extenuating circumstances that. Uh, make you hesitant. If I had to choose which one would be a, which one's most likely, I would say Baez is probably. If I had to choose, I'd say regardless starter reliever, I think Baez may end up having the better major league career. Number one, um, he's bigger. He's he's more filled out. You know, he he uh, he's already had major league success at this point, so you know there's some track record that he could succeed as a reliever. Um, and more hone is just like you don't know what the hell you're gonna get other than his hot girlfriend. That's it. Other than that, you don't know what you're going to get because we've seen him uh, melt down on the mound last year. You know when he had those opening starts, uh, we've seen him kind of get in his own head and and show emotion in a very mopey "I suck right now" kind of way. Uh, he doesn't stay on the field, so you can have great stuff all you want, and if you can't stay on the fucking field, you have no track record of doing so. It's hard for me to buy into that. So I'd have to say right now, I would believe more in Baez um, just because he's a higher floor yeah. than Morahone, who clearly, I mean, he's got ceiling as high as anybody but it's always dude if, if it clicks for him yeah, it's it's and, it's gonna be fun to watch but it's a big it's always if it clicks yeah, yeah it really is so let's see what we got next on the old 5.5 line hey what's up guys it's your boy pimo at uncle pimo <laughs> uh so cool uh happy to hear that you guys have the pod going back i'm uh, calling from rainy and miserable dusseldorf germany <laughs> Uh, and I found out that it's about a year uh, coming up uh, since I died in the Chili's parking lot in Peoria. <laughs> and so now that my girlfriend just left me, uh, there's not a Chili's anywhere in sight for me to get my margarita. Uh, what should I do? Thanks, guys. Bye. Oh, man. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. I, I wasn't going to go there. But, uh, you know, you just heard it from the man himself. So, uh, Pimo, he moved out a, a little while back, our buddy at Uncle Pimo. At the end of uh, spring adult baseball season, I believe. He moved to uh, Dusseldorf, Germany yeah. with his girlfriend. And um, he moved in with her in Germany. And as you heard from the message, they are no longer together. I did not know this. But they are living together. Still. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> fucking guys on the couch and i'm like man you sack of shit i'm like she comes home every fucking day and looks at you and rolls her eyes and scoffs and goes to her fucking room and then brings in hans to get the job done (laughs) yeah so uh, i was gonna say by the way how the hell did we go from that epic trip with patrick and then having drunk flan tag in i mean hey we'll see we'll see Uh, drunk flan if you're not 
puking in a Chili's parking lot, you're not living up to snuff, let me tell you. Well, hey, I've, I've been to Vegas with him a few times, man, and he's, uh, yeah, he, he can go for a long time once he starts drinking. Oh, that's what she thing. said. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, I have a major concern. With Paddock being promoted and Tuskies being promoted last year, and then Gore and Patino possibly being promoted this year, we, we might actually not have one of the best farm systems in baseball next year. A huge concern. Can you guys please address this? Also, fuck you, Eric. <laughs> so you want to touch on that? Uh, yes, I believe it's always good to have a top 10, top 8 system. I think you're right. They're around like 3 to 5 now. Uh, Tramel's also going to be graduating soon. We still got Abrams. We still got Campisano. Still got Arias. Possibly Cantillo. And whoever the hell else they pick up, draft, and sign. So um, the goal, guys... It's great to have a top farm system, but that's just not going to win you any World Series or regular season games. So. They've had a top farm system for years, and yeah, they've gotten, they've gotten dick gotten, out of it. Yeah, and, and now we're starting to see it. But uh, ideally, we have we continually have a top five to top ten system, and then every now and then we take a dent for two or three years to reload it because those great players were either trading to add, like a Tommy Pham, or they're coming up like a Paddock or a, or a, uh, a Tatis, or even like Grisham. <clears throat> Grisham's a prime example. He would have been a top prospect in our system, and now he's pretty much slotted into play every day and getting 500 plate appearances. So this is good. This is good news because they're graduating, guys. Yeah, it is for sure. They're not the Red Sox where, like, you know, they signed that groom guy and he just, you know, blew up. And then, <laughs> yeah. like, all their other guys are either hurt or on PED suspensions, and it's like – just non-performance. They're, the farm system ratings are dipping because they're graduating guys and they're using them as uh, bargaining chips to get the major league roster better, which is what it's for. I would much rather have an average to above average farm system with a very solid major league team. Next question. 100%. What's up, Eric and Gary? It's Fritz. How you doing, man? Uh, just wanted to congratulate Eric on that beautiful baby boy. Uh, fatherhood is an amazing thing. And... Also, I don't give a shit if you go to the gym, dude. You don't need to post that on Facebook and Instagram, man. Just keep that shit to yourself and get in shape, dude. It's better for you. All right, have a good one. Thanks, Boy, that, Dad. That's a that's a tough scene. Is that Andy Ashby lookalike, Fritz? Yeah, that's yeah. a tough scene because when I post pictures of the gym, I create a meme and now I have a catchphrase. It's clobbering time, and uh, you just get shit on on the hotline. Yeah, tough yeah. scene. Jesus Christ, man. Wow. And, and I I wasn't saying like, hey guys, I'm going to the gym. Like, hey, give me pats on the back. I'm like, fuck. I realized how goddamn out of shape I was. Yeah, bro. I realized how out of shape I was yesterday. I only played six defensive innings, and uh, my lower back is killing me. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Let's see what else we got. We got. Time Time for uh, probably uh, two more, two or three. Okay, my name is David Dodd. Oh God! Right, cupping the Padres. <laughs> so, one thing I want to tell you guys and everybody out there in Padres land, where I was born, in San Diego. <laughs> Thank you. Don't take spring training so damned seriously. Glad you're having fun. But that's not the regular season. You got to keep that in mind. What you want is what happens in late March, early April, all through the summer. <laughs> you want that to be what you hang on to. Spring training is fun, but it is not the regular season. There's a lot of stuff going on that I don't think you guys realize. Take care. And have a good day. 
Thanks, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking David Dodd. Thank you very much, Dodd. I had no idea that spring doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking guy. He did. I, dude, I had no idea that he used to cover the Padres, though. For uh, what publication? I think it was... Um, shit, what was it? Sports Illustrated? Uh, I don't know. Craigslist? Casual <laughs> Encounters? <laughs> <laughs> Play the next message. Yeah, Play the next sure. one. Hey, guys. This is uh, Leisure Fryer at Leisure Fryer. Was just uh, curious as to which are your favorite LA hangouts and the best <laughs> directions on how to get there uh, from the 101. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs> are we talking walking? Or our favorite ones? LA hangouts. That's a clear jab at our beloved Dave and Jeff, who <laughs> love those guys very, very much. Uh, yeah, my favorite place in, in LA has to be the Del Taco off of uh, La Siniega. <laughs> I absolutely love it, dude. Is it's Disneyland considered LA? Because that's pretty much the only reason I go over there. Yeah. Another reminder, guys, make sure you turn in, tune into Ben and Woods uh, Monday through Friday, 5 to 9 a.m., number one uh, sports talk show and radio show uh, in the mornings here in San Diego. Um, let's see what else is on here. There's a few, there's a few messages on here that are, uh, pretty long, pretty long. And I, I don't think that That's we have time. Said. I don't think that we have time for them, but let's see, uh, let's play this one last one. Then I'll look to see if there's any on the, uh, on the response to the, t- uh, tweet. Hey everybody, Coach Con- John Carrier is calling in my favorite podcast, the 5.5 podcast. Yeah, my question for you guys here is, uh, which young Latino players do you assume will uh, make the big league roster and uh, possibly join the big league team sometime throughout the year? Uh, you know, I know, actually, you know what, Danny's fiance might be friends with some of them. I don't know, you know, I just, I just seen pictures. So I uh, just want to get your guys' thoughts. Uh, keep, love the pod. Can't wait to see you guys down the bowling this year. Uh, love to shake your guys' hand. Thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the shake my hand. Coach Quintero. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He wants to know about uh, young Latino players making the big league <laughs> roster and if your fiance knows any of them. So, uh, I don't think any of them are from Mexico, are they? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know either. Coach Quintero knows, but he yeah. wants to see if you know. He's testing you. Yes. Uh, I think Manny and Tatis are for sure going to be young Latino players who will make the ball club. Mejia as well. Uh, Munoz. All those Latinos. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, Munoz is great. You know, I gotta be honest with you. Um, you know, he, I need to see more strikes from Munoz, or else uh, we're gonna have to stick with Craig Stammen, you know, or uh, or maybe Drew Pomeranz. Because uh, Pomeranz walked two in his last outing. Chad wants to know, and Chad has become a, a, a Padres Twitter Photoshop sensation. <laughs> Him and his fucked up mustache that he's done with now, but it's fucking great. Oh, he shaved it? What yeah, a he shaved shame. It. He said, uh, how hungover will Eric be on March 22nd? And what are the odds of making the backfields in time to see legitimate bullpens and live sessions? March 22nd is the day we're leaving. Yeah. So Chad's referring to last year when we showed up hoping to see Anderson Espinosa. Oh, we saw him all right. And he was done. Yeah, he on his way to the emergency back. room. Yeah, he was walking back, and that was the last time that he made a start at all. And what did you say to him, Eric? I didn't say shit to him. I turned around and left. No, you asked him something. Who? Espinosa? No, I didn't. What did I ask him? You're like, hey, man, uh, how'd it feel? Oh, it felt good. And the next thing we heard about him, he was having Tommy John for a second uh, time. You son of a bitch! Uh, Trying to repress that memory, and I'm not allowing it. Yeah, whoops. Hey, Anderson, how did you feel out there? (laughs) Yeah, you feel good? Go get him, brother. Go get him, man. Yeah, did you guys see that? You guys see that? Anderson felt good. Breaking news. Anderson Espinosa to have second Tommy John surgery. Yeah. 
Yeah, that did happen. I can't believe you didn't remember that. Yeah, that that did happen. I, you know, I, I can't wait to see what kind of shit we get into this upcoming spring It'll be training. Fine. It's about two and a half weeks away. We're going to be out there uh, March 19th to the 22nd. If any of you guys are out there, let us know. I want to get. We went to Top Golf last year. I think it'd be cool to get a, a group together for Top Golf. Yeah. I know at least the four of us are going to be there. So, yeah. and probably your cousin. Hobby, My cousin so. is definitely. He's already scheduled and ready to go. Yeah. yeah. So we're um, definitely going to do that. Maybe Friday night. Who yeah. knows? But we'll see. Um, I think that's about it, man. I'm, I'm reading through, and uh, Jake Parley asked where his damn shirt is. I don't know, man. You got to contact Teespring on that one. <laughs> yeah, and no one gives a fuck what Jake thinks, anyways. Um, but yeah, I think we're good, man. You got anything else before we're out of here? Uh, no, no. Just that uh, expect. Us to start doing uh, uh, weekly shows. Probably not next week unless something magical happens, but I think we'll do a show before spring training and then uh, we'll come back and recap it. So, probably over the next two or three weeks, uh, you guys will be hearing more and more from us and uh, appreciate the questions. And maybe we'll hear from uh, Kintera. Yeah, maybe we will. So, yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, spring training in two weeks. Maybe we'll I, – I don't want to bring the shit out there to spring training. and I don't want to waste no, any time no, no. recording out there. We can record the so, next day after when we get back. Yeah, it'll probably be uh, – it'll probably be the Monday on the 23rd, the week of uh, opening day. Yeah. We'll probably get together then, and then, you know, it'll be just like it is every year. We'll go weekly until we get sick of doing weekly, and then we'll, we'll start doing every weekly. other week. Yeah. So depending on how the team is playing, we could go weekly into July or we could go weekly into April 3rd. It all depends. But uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for sticking with the podcast. We appreciate you guys uh, hanging around. Uh, He's on Twitter at 5.5Dan. I'm on Twitter at MiserableSDFan. Find our podcast, Twitter at 55Pod. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys later. We're out of here. Fuck you, ISIS.